This is Demonosophy and Beyond, the podcast designed to help you understand, instead of fear the occult, I am your host, the absolute noob of cartomacy, Greg Bryant. Today, we'll be discussing tarot, a popular magical subject that is still somewhat misunderstood. So we have a special guest that has dealt with tarot, pun intended, for over 25 years. Ladies and gentlemen, I present to you the lovely Lady Alchemia. Thanks for being on the show. How are you doing today? Thank you for having me. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm stoked. I mean, you're my first guest. This is just, this is new territory for me. So I'm excited. I'm excited. Likewise, it's my pleasure. I've had a couple of readings from you that were pretty insightful, which is one of the reasons why I had you on here. So I'm really excited to gain a better understanding of uh, the tarot cards from your perspective. So um, I would like to start from the beginning, if that's cool. Of course. Cool. Okay. So um, tell us, me and the audience, about your first interaction with tarot and what inspired you to take it up so actually it all began when I was a child and I have always been a very natural lucid dreamer all my senses are present during my dreams and I'm able to take control but I had this one particularly vivid dream where I was standing in my kitchen with my back against the wall and all of a sudden someone reached through the wall and tickled my back. And this sensation startled me. So I turned around and looked to see what it was. And now I see that the wall is transparent and there's a woman standing just beyond it. And she's wearing a long blue dress and she has long strawberry blonde wavy hair and long elegant fingers. And I look at her and she just looks at me as if to say, you know what you're supposed to do. So that next morning I woke up and ended up going Christmas shopping with my family. And we ended up in a metaphysical store because they were selling jewelry and my mom just loves that kind of stuff. So I'm just a little kid, you know, kind of looking around, poking around at things. And then I see in a glass case locked away all these decks of cards. But on one of the decks was the woman from my dream. And that was the Gil Tarot. And the card was the Queen of Swords. So I instantly go to my mom and I'm like, Mom, Mom. I need this deck and her and my dad kind of look at each other like, mm, yeah, I don't know, you know, like you're probably too young for this, but my mom decides, you know what? She'll grow into it. So she gets it for me for Christmas. And of course the first thing I did when I got this deck, you know, keep in mind, I am seven years old um, is just, I looked at all the cards, all the art on every single card and just completely immersed myself in the universe that this artist created. And I was completely enamored by it. And then ultimately I, I did eventually, you know, read the book and, you know, 
really started doing readings and everything. But yeah, that was that was my first experience with tarot. It was like a like a divine intervention kind of a calling. So this this queen, uh, what does her card represent? So she represents, um, you know, being an excellent communicator, um, you know, someone who is who, who delivers knowledge and wisdom, you know, very solidly, but also with a sense of compassion. Um, there's a certain sense of reason and logic to the way that she makes her decisions, but not without a sense of intuitive insight. You know, there's a lot of balance with that card because she is water of air, you know, water being the feminine principle because she's a queen and air being the suit, you know, the swords. So it, it sounds like this intuition and this spirit, let's say, um, has qualities that you would really want as somebody who's doing readings for other people. Yes, absolutely. You know, I I see her as a guide and that's what I strive to be in my spiritual practice when I'm doing readings for my clients. You know, I I just want to point them in the right direction. I don't want to, you know, dictate information to them and have it be the end all be all. Mm -hmm. You know, I I want to present them with options and allow them to choose for themselves. You know, at the end of the day, I want my client to walk away from their reading with me empowered and ready to take on their life with, you know, the the joy and the fervor that having, you know, options brings. Now, this, this queen, uh, this is very interesting. I know that... Um there are sometimes spirits associated with the tarot, like angels, for instance. Do you think this queen was actually a spirit reaching out to you? Or do you think it was maybe the deck calling you? Like, what do you, what do you think is the origin of this, this woman? I think ultimately that the queen of swords here came through to my dream like, I, I feel that it's really my spirit guide uh -huh. who took on the persona of the Queen of Swords to point me in the right direction. You know, sometimes spirits or angels take on a form that is easier for us to understand because angels don't actually look the way that we perceive them, you know, with the feathered wings and all of that. Right. You know, they're really, they're, they're a source of energy. Um so I, I really feel that it was a spirit guide who embodied this persona so that I could understand that that's where I am meant to go, you know, kind of uh, putting out a beacon of light and allowing me to follow it. Okay. Sounds good. So you told me that uh, in previous meetings that you have a background in psychology do you feel like yes during some readings you rely more on that background than others or do you rely more on your intuition or is it kind of like a 50 50 mix when you do readings 
Well, when I'm doing readings, what I'm really looking at are the cards. And I'm allowing for intuitive impressions to come through. So what I'm really doing is tapping into the collective unconscious to be able to interpret the signs and symbols. And I use my background in psychology to be able to interpret that information in a way that makes it easy for my client to digest. So, you know, I'm looking at their body language to make sure that they're understanding what I'm telling them. And I'm also, you know, reading their energy to make sure that, you know, what I'm saying is not only getting through, but isn't, you know, hitting a nerve or triggering them. You know, there's always that that sense of compassion that I have to call upon during readings. You know, of course, that Queen of Swords comes back. Um, but it's I, I really use my background in psychology just to make sure that, you know, my client isn't being disturbed too much by anything that I'm saying, especially when there are some difficult cards to traverse in the reading. Uh-huh. You know, I, I want them to leave empowered. Okay. But, I mean, to a certain degree, sometimes people need to know the truth. Like, you can't beat around the bush. Like, sometimes they have to get that information. Wouldn't you agree? Like, the, that difficult information? Absolutely. Absolutely. So you... you know, I only ever tell the truth mm-hmm. in my readings. It's just that the way that I package the truth can, you know, change depending on what they're, you know, really ready for. Uh Like I will tell them, you know, if there's a negative card, like say the 10 of swords pops up, you know, that's generally perceived as a negative card. Although, you know, of course, all cards, neither, all cards are neither black nor white. You know, there's, there's positive and negative attributes to each one and also neutral attributes. But, you know, generally the Ten of Swords can be viewed as a negative card. So say that card pops up, you know, I have to relay some negative information. I will tell them, you know, everything that I see there in the reading, even if it's negative. But at the end of it all, you know, I have to reassure them that this is just a reading, you know, this there's always free will in play. This reading is here for them to understand all the pieces of the puzzle so that they can, you know, go back out in the world and choose to make different decisions if necessary so that it doesn't lead them down a specific path. You know, it's just a matter of packaging it so that they walk away empowered. Uh, When we did our last reading together, because I believe we've done two readings. Um, Mm -hmm. I noticed that you had more than one deck and you allowed me to choose a deck that I wanted the reading from. What is the the reason behind having your, uh, your clients pick a deck? So I didn't actually always used to do this, but I discovered another deck that I really fell in love with. And that I I felt would be a good choice for my clients. Um, The purpose, though, ultimately of having two decks is to give my clients a choice 
to choose from. You know, I, I don't want it to just like I shuffle my cards. I don't allow my client to shuffle the cards. Mm -hmm. And when I do readings in person, I, you know, have allowed my clients to cut the deck. And with the pandemic and everything, I've been cutting the deck instead, especially right. online, you know, they're not there in person, so they can't cut the deck. So having the clients choose from one deck or the other gives them that that moment where they're actually really fully engaged in the reading by having this choice. Okay. And do you feel like different decks have different vibes or personalities? Absolutely. Yes. So of course, you know, all decks have art and art is a very visual language. So depending on what the artist chose to use for the symbolism and which colors they chose, that can change the mood of not only any specific card, but the deck overall. And changing the mood of a deck changes its attitude, which of course gives way to how its personality comes through. Have you ever seen the Deviant Moon Tarot? Deck? I have, yes. I love that. I love that deck. I had that deck and the art on it is just amazing. Yeah, it's not one that I've ever picked up, but I've definitely seen it a lot. It's been around for quite a while. Um, mm -hmm. I definitely remember seeing that one when I was much younger. The art definitely is pretty cool on that deck. It hasn't called to me enough for me to want to pick it up yet, but but maybe one day I will. It it has been calling to me more recently, so okay. maybe maybe I will pick it up. Do you think it's like something has changed in your life and it's like, now come get me that's saying that it's like now you're ready for me well i think what it is is that i've seen some cards um i can't remember which ones right now but they were really beautiful and i was just like hmm okay you know because <laughs> i've only seen a handful of cards um you know based on what i've seen in like barnes and noble um mm -hmm. but now I'm, I'm on, you know, so many different tarot groups online and I see people posting, you know, of their readings with the Deviant Moon deck. And I'm just like, oh, wow. OK, now I really see what the appeal is. Gotcha. Yeah, I, I like I said, I'm not big on cartomacy. That's def definitely not my aspect of magic. But I have an appreciation for good art and I have an appreciation for the practice. So when I saw that deck, I, I had to purchase it. I had to have it. Yeah, uh, definitely. If if an if the art from a deck calls to you, that means you should definitely pick it up because that means you have that intuitive connection with the art in that deck and you'll be able to pick up on the symbolism a lot easier than someone who isn't necessarily drawn to that deck i also have a demon deck I can't be a <laughs> of demon course you do. without one <laughs> <laughs> uh and speaking of demons uh when we see movies that deal with tarot most often you know the person doing the tarot reading will flip over the devil card or the death card and it's always something ominous. Is it really bad news to see these cards in a reading? No, not at all. Um, 
you know, like I mentioned earlier, all cards in the 78 deck have positive and negative attributes and even neutral attributes. So, you know, take the devil card, for instance, you know, this actually popped up in a reading with uh, someone I did recently. And in her spread, it really meant that what she really needed to do at that moment in time was, you know, cut loose and have a little fun and be a little devilish and engage in some activities that she would normally, you know, uh, shun from her life. But sometimes, of course, the devil card can indicate addiction or a codependent relationship or being attached to something that you're not willing to let go of. Um, another thing that the devil card can stand for is the zodiac sign of Capricorn because they are related. Um, and then of course also Saturn is the ruler of Capricorn. So, you know, themes of Saturn and the, you know, Saturn return and lessons that Saturn has to teach us also come into play with the devil card. So each card really is multifaceted. None of them are just positive or negative. There's a lot of gray area with each card. Okay. So um, kind of like on the same, the same subject, but not really. Have you ever used Oracle cards? I have. Um, I'm not the biggest fan of Oracle decks, um, only because they are systems in and of themselves. Tarot mm -hmm. is a standardized system. You know, you have the major and the minor arcana, the four suits. Um, but Oracle decks, you know, they're usually anywhere from like 30 or more cards, usually less than 78. Um, but sometimes can be more, maybe like 80 or so. Um, and each one is completely different from the next one. So it's kind of like learning a whole new system. And in a way, unless you memorize each and every single Oracle deck that you own, which would take a really long time, um, you know, you kind of, you're married to that handbook. Um, and I don't really like that. And, or, you know, the meanings are right there on the cards. And that can feel a little juvenile. Now, the one thing with Oracle cards are that, you know, the artwork can tend to be even more extravagant and gorgeous than a regular tarot deck. Because when an artist is creating a tarot deck, they're trying to fit their art into the structure of a standard tarot deck. But with an Oracle deck, you know, the possibilities are endless. So, you know, you really see artists going all out on Oracle decks, but overall as a system or style of cardomancy, I'm not as big a fan of Oracle decks. Okay. Well, thank you for elaborating on that. Um, You're as, welcome. An, as, as an artist though, do you think that you would ever create your own Oracle deck? Oracle deck? Um, maybe. Um, but I am actually in the process of creating my own tarot deck. Um, you know, tarot, of course, is my first love. It was kind of my gateway drug into, you know, greater realms of spirituality or, or more formal study. 
I, I really started creating or sketching out my ideas for a major arcana and I have all of the ideas written out for the minors mm-hmm. but they're completely sketched out for the majors all I have to do is transfer my ideas to canvas and start painting so it's an ongoing work in progress but um, yeah definitely in the process of creating my tarot deck not necessarily oracle gotcha so with your your practice how do you feel like well first of all do you feel like it's led you to a spiritual evolution and if it has how do you feel you have evolved from it so i've always been very connected to nature so i i've i've had this intrinsic connection to nature and the universe and everything and my journey with tarot um, helped to formalize my study and gave me a, a more narrow path to travel. And, you know, I've kind of branched off from there. Um, so I, I would definitely say that, you know, in, in terms of evolution, um, spiritual evolution, I, I feel that we're all always evolving. And if you're not, then you're just not growing. Um, yeah. So you should always, you know, continue to seek out. I am forever a seeker. Um, but yeah, uh, tarot has given me a way to kind of narrow down my practice in a way, especially in the beginning when you know i i had really nothing else to go on other than i am so connected to nature you know how do i deepen this connection tarot really helped me hone my intuitive abilities and helped me to become a better communicator and helped me to better interpret the signs and symbols and auguries that i see in nature so now that you have a lot of experience underneath your belt and done all these readings. I'm sure you've gone through your hurdles and, and, and gotten over different problems because every practitioner has their own special uh, problems that they face and have to overcome with their practice. What advice would you give to anyone who might be considering getting into tarot like heavy? In terms of wanting to become a professional reader or in terms of picking up their deck for the first time? Uh, Both for the first time and to do it as a personal practice as well as maybe even a professional reader. Okay, well, let's start with personal practice. So I actually do teach formal tarot lessons Um, so I've, I've had some students and first and foremost, the most important thing that you can do for yourself in beginning your tarot practice is to pick up a deck whose art calls to you, because that indicates whether or not you're actually going to have a connection with that deck. If there's no connection there, then you're not really going to understand the symbolism. And the first thing you want to do when you find that special deck is to just go through each individual card 
and really meditate on the art and the symbols that are there and try to intuitively discern what those symbols mean. You want intuitive interpretations first before you pick up the book. You want to retain that sense of beginner's mind as you go through the deck card by card for the first few times. Once you feel that you have a good grip on your own intuitive interpretations, that's when you can pick up the book. If you do it the other way around, your own interpretations that could have been intuitive will always be skewed by what the artist intended that you've read in the book. So you definitely want to have those intuitive interpretations down pat first. And then, you know, once you pick up the book, you can start doing some readings for yourself, you know, pull a card every day and, you know, get comfortable with not only your intuitive interpretations, but also what the artist intended. And then, you know, start doing multiple card spreads once you have read a card a day for yourself, you know, at, and that feel like you've pulled each card at least once, you know, start doing some spreads and see how the cards dialogue together in a spread. I recommend like a three card spread to start, you know, and that can be past, present, future, or, you know, what you need to release, what you need to harness and what will manifest. Um, and then if you're going to be starting a business, like your own tarot business, mm -hmm. and you want to start doing readings for clients, the first thing I would recommend is, you know, definitely have all the basics down, be comfortable reading without any guidance or handbook of any kind for yourself first, and then practice on your friends and your family and friends of friends, etc. Whoever you can get your hands on that would want a reading, do a reading for them, get their feedback, you know, try to connect the dots, you know, perhaps there's a card in there that normally, you know, from the book means something, but your intuition was telling you something else and it was actually your intuition that was right. And that teaches you when you should listen to your intuition first and when you should listen more to, you know, the book. Yeah, beyond that, you know, just practice, practice, practice. And then um, when you feel comfortable that you can give readings to people without you know, having to look in the handbook and your readings are accurate and they flow well and you're getting great feedback, then start charging and, you know, don't go too big at first. You know, I would recommend like maybe like $10, something around there, um, mm -hmm. depending on, you know, what the cost of living and all of that is. Um, and see, see where it leads. I think that's uh, excellent, excellent advice for those out there who may be interested in. And you, you said you teach. Do you do you teach online as well? Yes, I do. Um, so I can teach via Skype or um, also uh, Facebook video chat. Um, I like to do, you know, video readings so we can, um, you know, convene over, you know, 
chat and we can kind of like show each other the cards and, you know, I can really explain um, and kind of like point things out on certain cards. Uh, that really helps a lot. And where can people reach you if they want a reading or if they want to become your apprentice? So I'm mostly on Facebook. Um, my URL on Facebook is facebook.com slash divination by Ariana. Um, all of my list of services are there. So you'll see readings. I also do dream interpretations. And then I also offer lessons by the hour. My lessons are tailored to my students' level of experience. So you know, if you've been doing it for a while and you want to deepen your practice, there, you know, there's definitely a lesson for you. And also, if you're, you know, a first timer, there's a lesson for that as well. Um, and then I'm also on Instagram and my Instagram handle is Lady Alchemia. And you can also email me if you don't have Facebook or Instagram. And my email is divinationbyariana at gmail.com. And that's Ariana with one N, not two. Cool. And I will be putting those links in the description uh, on my anchor as well as on my YouTube video. So those of you who are interested in contacting Lady Alchemia, you can go ahead and click on those links after listening to this episode. You had something else that you need to say? Right. Yeah. So I'm working on getting a website up that isn't affiliated with Facebook or Instagram. But right now, those are the those are the ways to contact me. Okay. All right. And I'm sure that uh, when you do get that up, um, I'll be glad to like do an update. Just let me know when you get that up so I can uh, put that information up and kind of like... definitely. So more people will see that. So you heard it, ladies and gents. If you have questions burning a fire in your hearts and require some clarity, Lady Alchemia is the person to seek. As I said before, I will be leaving a link in the episode description for all interested in contacting her. Thank you so much for your contribution to keeping magic alive, Lady Alchemia. And thank you for coming on the show. Thank you for having me. It was a pleasure. Always. And to all my listeners, I always like to encourage practice over just taking an individual's word about magic. So get to it. And if you enjoy this contact, this content, and would like to help me be a test dummy so I can continue to help you navigate magical pitfalls, be sure to hit the support button on Anchor. For my people on YouTube, hit the subscribe button and join me on this wonderful magical journey. Have a happy autumn season, and I'll see you next episode.